Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young onset Parkinson's called Rebound. If you know someone with Parkinson's or you know nothing about Parkinson's, you will want to read Brian's story. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader? Audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. There's a long weekend of action to unpack, so I may jump around a bit here more than usual. The primary subject I want to hit before it's all over is the exactitude with which we look at the game these days. The exactitude with which we expect it to be played and officiated, and why it is inevitably going to leave us unsatisfied with the results, no matter which way they turn or who they favor. Before we get to that, though, I want to mention the latest coaching moves by Clippers coach Ty Lue that allowed the Clippers to cut the Utah Jazz lead in their series to 2-1. Lue, as I've mentioned previously, has not been afraid to utilize all of his chess pieces. Terrence Mann is the latest example. Mann played a big role in the Clippers coming back to beat the Mavericks in the first round in seven games, but he was barely utilized in the first two games against the Jazz, in part because Lou went back to a more conventional center in Avica Zubac. First, he used him off the bench in game one, playing him 20 minutes, along with four minutes for his other seven-foot center, DeMarcus Cousins, And then he started Zubac in Game 2 and expanded Cousins' minutes to 10 in Game 2. I'm sure the thinking was it would keep the Jazz's Goliath, Rudy Gobert, from being too big of a factor and prevent Donovan Mitchell from attacking the rim at will with no rim protector. Didn't work out that way. I was actually surprised by the move because I felt the Clippers could exploit the Jazz by playing small. And indeed, Game 1... He started Nicholas Batum once again at center. Gobert is a tremendous defender, but he's not that much of an offensive threat. 
He has no jump shot, and he's not a passer or playmaker. Game 3 saw Nicholas Batum and Paul George handle most of the defensive duties against Gobert, and it worked. Where Lou effectively used man was on Jordan Clarkson, the sixth man of the year, who combined with Mitchell as a devastating 1-2 scoring punch in the first two games. Mann put a stop to that. He was plus 21 while only scoring 7 points because he helped hold Clarkson to 14 points on 16 shots, resulting in a minus 24 performance for Clarkson. Now, Clarkson received my 6th man vote, but when it comes to the playoffs, where you have to be a two-way player, it is possible to expose him. He scored consistently versus the Grizzlies in the first round, between 14 and 24 points every game, but only had one positive plus-minus game. And so far in the Clippers series, he has yet to register a po- positive plus-minus game. Mann is the type of long, athletic defender that makes life difficult for scorers like Clarkson, and I would expect to see the same matchup in Game 4. Now, I'm also sure there was a lot of chatter about the Clippers stepping up their one-on-one defense on Mitchell as the reason for his relatively quiet 30-point performance in Game 3. But I didn't think he looked as explosive as he did in Games 1 and 2 right from the start of Game 3. When he hobbled off the court midway through the fourth quarter, got treatment on his right ankle as Coach Quinn Snyder refused to put him back in, it confirmed what I had been seeing. His ankle is not right. We saw him suffer some sort of injury to it at the end of Game 2. Mitchell did everything he could to assure everyone that he was okay and it wasn't going to affect him. But again, that's not what I saw in Game 3. He didn't have the same gravity, as I hear too many people say these days about players who draw the defense to them because of the scoring threat they pose. Donovan relies on his extraordinary athleticism as much as any player in the league right now. And his game hasn't evolved to the point that he can create the same havoc without it. The Clippers quietly have to feel very good about where they are right now for that reason. Which brings us to another ankle. Kyrie's. The Nets are now down to one scoring superstar after Kyrie Irving hurt his landing on Giannis Antetokounmpo's foot in the Bucks' win on Sunday, evening the series at two games apiece. I was struck by the immediate debate about whether or not Giannis did it intentionally, with no other than Rex Chapman, former NBA player, and generally a voice of good feels and positivity on Twitter, unless it has to do with the opioid crisis in Kentucky and its long-standing Senator Mitch McConnell, leading the charge that what Giannis did was intentional. I can't help but feel some of the instant reaction has to do with A, the obvious pain Kyrie was in, and B, the needle it represents popping the balloon of the Nets' chances to compete for a title this season. As I expressed in the previous podcast, I'm reassessing my view of Giannis based on the way he's played in the first four games against the Nets. My original view was shaped by meeting him early in his career and the perspective of a number of coaches and players who have worked or played with him. The feedback was invariably positive about his work ethic, his desire to be great, 
his priorities, his humanity. That in itself is striking because my experience is that any time a player achieves superstar status, there's someone who is happy to point out his or her shortcomings or provide examples of how he or she isn't the prince or princess they're made out to be in public. Looking back on who I was and how I sometimes acted in my 20s, or even now, I try to keep such knocks in perspective. We all have bad days. My reassessment comes from seeing signs of ego and stubbornness in how Giannis plays, not anything I've heard about him as a person. And for an NBA player to truly be great, it does require a certain supreme arrogance. I've been fortunate enough to get to know a number of NBA superstars on a personal basis, championship-winning superstars, and I've learned to regard them as great white sharks. When they are with you or you are in their favor, they are a powerful ally or resource. But you would be foolish to trust them completely because a great white shark has only one thing in mind, to get where it wants to go and, if necessary, devour anything that gets in its way. I've never had one of them intentionally try to take me down. Not a great white shark. I'm talking about the NBA superstars who remind me of them. But I've seen their teeth and I've felt their bite. I have no doubt that Giannis saw Kyrie as being in his way. In the micro sense of rebounding the ball if Kyrie's shot missed. And in a macro way of keeping him from advancing to the Eastern Conference Finals. So did Giannis intentionally try to injure Kyrie? slide underneath him knowing Kyrie would land on his foot and sprain his ankle and be knocked out of the game, maybe the series? If we're going to ask those questions in this instance, then we're going to have to ask it of every instance where a player is shaken up because of a play deemed illegal. This is one of those debates that is impossible to settle without knowing exactly what was in Giannis's mind as he moved to the front of the rim and underneath a leaping Kyrie. I only know this. He couldn't have known Kyrie would come down on his foot. But now that we're in an age where every incident is adjudicated as if malice was intended, those complaining that Giannis should have been assessed a flagrant foul have a pretty solid case. It's not how the game was called for most of the time I've been covering the league, but it is now. If a foul had been called on the play, I have no doubt it would have been upgraded after a review. The same approach resulted in Nikola Jokic being ejected from Game 4 of the Nuggets Sun series, effectively ending any hope of Denver avoiding a sweep. Jokic, clearly frustrated, swiped down hard on the ball in Cameron Payne's possession, spiking the ball but grazing Payne's nose on the way down. I don't say graze as a way to minimize the contact. Anyone who's been hit in the nose, however slightly, knows how much it can hurt. I say it because hitting pain in the face in no way appeared to be Jokic's intent. But there no longer is a category of incidental contact when it comes to anything above the shoulders. So the referees really had no choice but to rule it unnecessary and give Jokic the boot. In this case, there was the opportunity to review the play on instant replay. This to me in the big picture puts the game in a precarious place and highlights the reason for officiating stars different. Stars are vital to a team's chances, especially in the playoffs. 
They are inherently going to be on the floor more than most players and in the middle of whatever action there is. They are inherently going to receive more contact and initiate more contact than other players. Therefore, the chance of them being involved in something deemed unnecessary or injurious is naturally heightened. Treating them the same as every player can only lead to more instances like Jokic being tossed. And Jokic being tossed now demands that any other star doing the same receive the same punishment. I just don't think that the league or its fans want the game to be called that way. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Not to get too global or philosophical, but we're in a time in the world at large that we are hyper-vigilant about everyone being treated the same. It sounds good, and in some ways certainly is good. But when it comes to professional sports, I'm not convinced it's realistic or practical. The very nature of competitive sports asks its participants to play with an aggression and an attitude that is contrary to polite society. Play nice, but win or else. Those strike me as, if not incongruous, a really tricky path to navigate. Is it wrong to consider that Jokic had an extra emotional burden on him as the newly minted MVP of the league and was attempting to prevent the humiliation of being swept out of the second round of the playoffs? Or that he and the rest of the team was playing after being called soft by head coach Mike Malone? Injuries are part of the game. Contact is part of the game. Emotional reactions are part of the game. We are close to approaching it as if they are not. All I know is this. When Draymond Green was suspended for Game 6 of the NBA Finals against the Cleveland Cavaliers for taking a swing at LeBron James' crotch as he stepped over him, it left me feeling the series was marred. Jokic being ejected left me feeling the same way. I'm not sure what the solution is, but I don't think that we found it just yet. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We have the big game four between the Utah Jazz and the Clippers coming up. And all in all, looking at where the Clippers are, the fact that uh, they are shooting the three much better now, and that's despite the fact that Marcus Morris still hasn't joined the party, their best three-point shooter. I just feel as if the momentum has tipped in the direction of the Clippers. I also am confident whether it's in the next podcast or coming up soon, that we're going to be discussing Kevin Durant attempting to carry this Nets team by himself. And no doubt, comparisons are going to be made to LeBron James and the series in his past when he's been looked at as the lone superstar. I don't think it's a fair comparison, but my FS1 colleague, Emmanuel Acho, has already put it out there that Kevin Durant being regarded by some as the best player in the game today, now has something to prove. Essentially, carrying the Nets to the next round without a whole lot of help. Best player in the league should be able to do that, shouldn't he? 
As I said, it's something we'll discuss coming up. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.